Okay. Okay, so let's have a look at the first major theme that we encounter in, um, in the Machzor, expressing the most important theme um, in, uh, in the Yontav of Rosh Hashanah. Uh, and, and at the outset, there are a number of themes, so it's not so easy to always identify which one is the most important, but I think it becomes clear from the world of Halakha and the actual uh, content of the Tfilot in the Machzor that uh, the theme uh, of uh, crowning a Baruch king, as we call it, Malchuyot, uh, is really prominent um, over in, in, within, the, within the text of the Machzor. Now, the Amidag undergoes some changes during the Aseret Yemei So from Rosh Hashanah through uh, Yom Kippur, from Motzei Yom Kippur, uh, we have these uh, major changes that Chazal already in the Gemara instruct us to make. Now, the major change is essentially the bracha HaKela Kadosh to HaMelech HaKadosh. So just to demonstrate it, if you're holding a machzor, a regular article machzor, um, you know, Erev Rosh Hashanah, page 26, uh, is a regular Shmona Esrei. Right, it's uh, essentially it's mincha, it's mincha for Erev Rosh Hashanah. And just to create the contrast, we know this well, um, the, the bracha of Kedushat Hashem starts at HaKadosh, Hashimcha HaKadosh, Kedushim Chol Yom Yalu Chasela, Baruch Atah Hashem, HaKeil HaKadosh. That phrase, HaKeil HaKadosh, at the end there, that is going to be replaced with HaMelech HaKadosh. Um, now, at first glance, it's quite simple that we want to try and emphasize HaKosh Baruch Hu as king. And therefore, the phrase HaKel HaKadosh, you know, the holy God, um, is, is, is replaced. Now, what we need to do is to try and show you how this takes place throughout the Machzor, uh, such that uh, when we go to Mariv already, we, we jump into Mariv of Rosh Hashanah, so just go to page uh, 64. That'll take us through to Mariv on, uh, on Rosh Hashanah. This is the first time we usher in Yontif and we start to make the changes. I'm going to skip the first change we make, but I want to go to this change. Uh, that is a repeat of the original brocha. And now the brocha of course, expanded. Um, and it, uh, it tells us the theme here. You know, what is the, what's the expansion doing? What's the theme? So the theme is as follows, that normally when we say HaKela Kadosh, what, what does that mean? The English tells us that, you know, the holy God, but the word holy is, um, is a difficult word to translate into user-friendly uh, philosophy because it, it means a great deal without saying it. Now, in principle, what it means is this. That when you say something is kadosh, something is holy, that means that the access one has to that item is limited. And only unique individuals can have access to it. If something is whole, secular, or something is just regular, then um, all that means is, is that the average person can have access to it. If something is kadosh, it's being elevated in status. And the more holy something is, the less amount of people can have access to it. So another way of saying it is, the word kadosh is that Hashem 
If Hashem is a holy being, it means that he's distinct, he's different, he is miles apart from any of us. So when we say Hashem is holy, we're saying Hashem is uh, in a different league, a completely different entity to, to us as human beings. Um, and that's really what holy means. It's separate, it's distant, it's apart. That's Kedusha. Kedusha, you know, it expresses the apartness with certain halachic categories. But the principle is, is that there's a massive gap, a massive distance between Akash Baruch and where we are standing. And that is the regular bracha that we make on an everyday Shemona Yisrael. We basically say like this. We say that Atah Kadosh, you Hashem are very distant. You're elevated from us. Mashimcha Kadosh. And, uh, and, and, and your essence, you know, is, is uh, even more distant. Now that phrase, uh, that's translated as, you know, uh, and holy ones praise you every day. Now who are the holy ones? Who are the holy ones? Now, during the year, the holy ones are one of two entities. Either it's Am Yisrael or it's the angels. Uh, and it could be both. It could be that Am Yisrael joined the angels. Ukdoshim Yom. And the angels in Klal Yisrael join in praising you, in praising you, Hashem. Uh, and we we basically recognize, you know, the unique level of uh, dis- disparity between us and Hashem. Baruch Hashem, Kadosh. Now comes Rosh Hashanah and the ten days of repentance. The theme changes because yeah, what's going to happen is we are not um, we are not looking at. Um, uh, telling everybody or reinforcing within ourselves that Am Yisrael and the angels are making the declaration. Uh, there's something else that's going on here, and there's a transformation, and that is that uh, instead of having this unique, uh, um, unique limited relationship where we talk about Am Yisrael, the angels, and Akosh Baruch Hu, that changes over Yontif or Rosh Hashanah as the content of the continuing paragraph describes. What do we ask Hashem to do? We ask Hashem to, Hashem instill fear of you among your, all your creatures, everybody. It becomes from a particular phrase, to a universal phrase. Until Rosh Hashanah, it's Am Yisrael that are talking about the Kedusha, the sanctity of Akosh Baruch But come Rosh Hashanah, the theme changes that the entire world is to recognize the sanctity of Hashem. And that's why the content here shifts. And your, your awe. This is everybody. This is a it's now become from a particular Jewish theme, if you will, to a universal theme of Hashem running the world. And the ideal would be for the entire universe to recognize Hashem as, as, as Melech. This really is the major theme that the, the, the Machzor wants to get across to us. That there's a shift here from Hakel Kadosh, where the word uh, Hakel, describing God, Aleph Lamed represents the Almighty, but it's the Almighty in nature 
we call Kel Mishtater. He's a hidden camouflaged God. Only Am Yisrael are really um, looking up and rec recognizing Hashem. And on Yontif, on Rosh Hashanah, we are, we are changing gears here. The theme expands, and that is to crown a Baruch Hu over the entire uh, world. And so the transformation takes place from Akela Kadosh, God, camouflaged God, which with a direct relationship with Am Yisrael, you know, where, which is, you know, describing the remoteness uh, between Hashem and us. Uh, and that remoteness over Yontif gradually diminishes and uh, is joined to, to give over this idea that Baruch Hu is king, you know, uh, there's obviously a recognition that Hashem is, is king over Amishal also, Melech Yisrael the Goalo. But really the major theme is Melech, Melech al Kol Haaretz. So that's the, that's the major theme, the first major theme that is ex expressed in the actual Machzor itself, to the point where if you if you dilute this theme, if you if you forget to say Hamelech uh, Hakadosh at the end of the bracha, you all know very well that this is the only time that uh, the the if you miss out on this change, you got to go back and start the Shmona Esrei all over again. It's as if the whole Shmona Esrei is packaged underneath this rubric of HaMelech HaKadosh, and if you miss it out, you've just missed the theme, and therefore your davening offered up on that particular day, on Rosh Hashanah, and all the way through the Aseret has been compromised completely. HaMelech HaKadosh, if it's absent, your, your Shmona Esra is invalid, and you have to you have to start again. Now, we, uh, we're just going to quickly uh, underpin this idea as we show how this theme is expressed and changes the structure that we used to within um, the Tefillah of Shachrit. And specifically, we'll just go to uh, the part before Yishtabach. So if you, just after Nishmat, towards the end of Nishmat, so if you come on to page 260, 260 at the bottom, 262 at the top, so you start to you start to recognize the difference over here, and that is during during the year, during the year on a on a regular Shabbos. So what happens is is that we we celebrate Akosh Baruch Hu's, you know holy abode, uh, he, he, you know, and we talk about Shochein Ad Marom Vekadoshemo, page two sixty two, you know under under the on the second line third line Shochein Ad is where we normally start from. And it it, uh, it expresses itself. In fact, if you have a look in the art scroll notes, uh, the footnotes at the bottom over there, um, this is what this is what they try and describe to you as the shift. Yeah, the is Akush abides forever in his exalted place. That is that is Shabbat. And then, if you would just go, if you flip back uh, to page two sixty at the, the last line there. Uh, if it, on Yontif we talk about the the davene, the chazan starts not at shochenad, he starts hakel v'tatzmoto uzecha Hashem in the ever powerful elements of his strength. That refers to Yontif because Yontif um, 
was the direct result of Hashem flexing muscle and liberating Am Yisrael from Mitzrayim. So Akal Zecha, with your omnipotence, with your strength, liberates Am Yisrael from Mitzrayim. And that's why the Chazan starts on a Yontif, doesn't start at Shochenad, he starts at Akal Zecha. But comes Rosh Hashanah, comes Yom Kippur, yeah, of course, at the top of page 262, yeah, we start, uh, we, we make sure the Chazan starts with HaMelech. You know, he has a little tune that sort of brings everybody to attention, and uh, the music builds so that he can belt out HaMelech, Yoshev HaKisei Ram thereby emphasizing that the major theme in the davening from the Machzor, on, on Yontif, on Rosh Hashanah, is, is the coronation of HaKosh Baruch as Melech, Al Kol Haaretz. He's Melech on Am Yisrael too, but Melech Al Kol Haaretz, you know, sort of comes to the fore. This is uh, what we're going to see all the way through the Piyotim, all the different poems and the songs that we sing. Hashem Melech, Hashem Malach, Hashem Yimloch, Olam Vaed. That's the, that's the, the clarion cry of, of what Rosh Hashanah is all about. The first theme, the major theme, the theme that if you miss it out in the Brocha, Melech HaKadosh, you need to go back. You need to go back and and start all over again. Okay, so that's that's the theme in a nutshell. However, we need to dig a bit deeper to really appreciate uh, this idea because we need to we need to understand how, how difficult it is it for somebody to come to shul on Rosh Hashanah, which is the day of judgment, and and he's asked to coronate. He's asked to declare that he believes that Hashem is the king over the entire universe. So how much work is there? I mean, you know, we, you can do that pretty quickly and it doesn't really take that much effort at first glance. So what, what really is bound up? I mean, where, where's the so-called, you know, where, where's the frightening side? Where's the so-called inspiration? Where's the work uh, in, uh, in being asked to crown Hashem as, as king? So let's uh, expand this principle using uh, some deep ideas, uh, specifically in the works of Rav Hutna, we find uh, a magnificent, majestic uh, concept that, is, that, he, that he develops. There's a very well-known concept, uh, and that is that when we look at uh, the way the Torah or Tanakh expresses leadership, with its human leadership over a king, over his subjects, or Hashem with us, we, we are introduced to two ways of describing uh, leadership. Um, and that is as follows. We use the word melech, malchuto, and this is the, the word that we are used to, uh, probably because we see it all the time. You know, Hashem melech, Hashem malach, Hashem yimloch. You know, this is always, this is what is supposed to happen. We're supposed to recognize God as king. Now, in the Shemona Esrei, in the Shemona Esrei, we have a section which is devoted to Malchuyot, to the crowning Hashem as, as king. And this is based on a Gemara in Rosh Hashanah Daftet Zayin, where the Gemara says as follows, you know, Amra Kosh Baruch Hashem said to Am Yisrael, Imru Malchuyot, I want you to recite in the davening, I want you to recite this concept of crowning me king, Malchuyot, Kedai Shetam Lichuni Aleichem, so that I will become king uh, over you. Now, in order to appreciate what this really means, we need to contrast 
almost two synonyms. Uh, in English, we have synonyms. In Lashon HaKodesh, we don't have synonyms. Uh, they sound the same, but there's always some chidush, there's always some novelty, there's always something different. There's no two Hebrew words that are exactly the same. So when we, when we speak about positions of leadership, of rulership, we are introduced to two distinct expressions in the Tanakh. When, uh, when Yosef and the brothers are, are locking horns um, and Yosef tries to get his brothers to buy into, into his dreams of leadership, and his brothers say to him as follows, his brothers say, you know, do you want to rule over us as the king? Or do you want to be a ruler over us? Now, we introduced here to these two principles, two concepts. There's a melech and there's a moshel. There's a king and there's a ruler. And the two concepts, although they seem quite similar, have distinctions between them that, uh, that, are, that are majorly important if we want to understand them uh, properly. We, we often use them interchangeably, but really we have to be careful how we use these two. Now, the Eben Ezra makes a comment in Parashat by Yeshev on this particular story of Yosef and the brothers. And um, he uh, interprets what they were saying to Yosef. They were saying that neither will he be a Melech and neither will he be a Moshel. What, what's the difference between the two? And so we are taught as follows. A Melech, to be a king, to be a king means that your subjects have to accept you as king. If you, if you rule by force, you are not a melech. You are a moshel. A moshel is a leader, a dictator, who rules by force. Whereas a melech is somebody who is accepted by his subjects and placed without being forced uh, as a ruler over them. And this is how the Gaon of Vilna and the Malvim speak about these two expressions. Mashal, the ruler rules by force, and Melech, the king, is actually accepted. Now, it's interesting that Rav Hutna wants to go a few steps deeper. And he introduces us to a majestic idea by pushing this point, the difference between a Melech and a Moshel. It's true. It's true that uh, the essential difference between a Melech and a Moshel um, is that, is that even though they both rule, a moshel rules by force and a melech rules by acceptance. But, says Rav Hutna, if you really want to understand what it is to be a melech, a melech can never truthfully be called a melech unless he rules over subjects which are similar to himself. But if his subjects have no similarity to himself, that's not called a melech. A melech is a king over subjects that are similar to him, the same type. A moshel can rule over anything. You can rule by force, you can rule over anything. You know, it doesn't have to have any connection to, to what he's trying to rule over. Now, let's, let's try and understand the following. We say that the lion is the king of the jungle. Now, what happens if the, the lion became domesticated? Now, who's the king of the jungle? 
what would we say? Still the lion. You can't uh, you can't go to the zookeeper and say, okay, now you know the king. You know, just you know what? what you can't just do that. What are you going to do? The, the the lion's the lion. He's recognized by by everybody else. Why? Because he's an animal and he's a king over animals. And only because he's an animal himself can he be called the king. The human being can have control. The zookeeper keeper can crack his whip, shoot a dart gun. He can do whatever he wants to the lion. But you can't be the king of the lion. You're not like the lion. The lion doesn't recognize you because you're not the same. And so when we look at trying to understand the difference between human beings and animals, we realize that what separates man from animal is, uh, you know, is, is the faculty of his free will among one or two other you know, concepts of a, a conscience, an ability, to, an ability to, to exercise one's free choice. Uh, that's really the essence of, of a human being. Only somebody like that can be a king accepted by, uh, by the person. Uh, just like an animal, he, he can he can uh, he can choose to accept or reject. But but what makes you what makes you a human being is your bechira. Now we come to what makes uh, you know leaders. Uh, what makes a leader that is accepted? What makes a subject consent to have a leader lead lead them? So the, the reason why, in order to be considered a melech, it has to be with consent of the subjects, is because if they don't accept him. He has dominion over every aspect of them and may force rulership upon them. Um, except for one thing. He can't, he can't, he can't force, he, he can physically force, but they won't accept their will, the freedom of choice of the human being, even if it can be overridden by somebody's superior strength. So you got no choice but to make us if you accept the the, the king but your will is not congruent with what you're doing. And therefore, you'll never fully be accepted if you force yourself on somebody. Just, it's a, it's a contradiction in terms. You can't do it. So in order to be a king over a human being, the human being has to allow you to, be the, to, to, to not force them so that their will will accept you as, as king. And that's the difference between a human being and an animal. So, yeah, what we need to appreciate here is as follows, and that is in order for, we say we are going to crown a Kosh king. We have to crown a Kosh king. So, um, what, what does that mean? How can a Kosh be king? So, you know, a Kosh can only be king if we as Jews or human beings um, are similar to Hashem, such that we as human beings have free choice, and out of our free choice, we are uh, accepting a Baruch's rulership over us. So, what we are trying to say here is as follows: that the focus on Rosh Hashanah is not really about man; it's about Malchiot, crowning Hashem as king. And uh, at this point in our discussion, it seems that. Our, our efforts with the human factor with Rosh Hashanah seems to be very, very passive. All we have to do is say that we believe in crown Akash Baruch Hu, you know, as king. But the truth be told is, you know, nothing could be further from the truth. 
once we under, understand that our job on Rosh Hashanah is to proclaim Hashem as Melech, and we understand that the only way a Melech could be called a Melech is by virtue of the similarity between the Melech and his subjects. So we have to appreciate now that the Torah on Rosh Hashanah is calling man to act in the most emphatic terms possible because we are telling man on Rosh Hashanah to proclaim Hashem king over us. And the Torah is saying, do your utmost to become similar. You can only crown God king over you, over yourselves, if you are similar to God. And just as God is godly, you as a human being have to change your behavior to become people who behave like with godly values. And so the, if you want to know what the Avodah, the whole uh, the whole process of, 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 of improvement, of repentance, of, of confession, even though we don't do it uh, on Rosh Hashanah, but the idea of changing oneself or setting up, set, you know, setting up uh, resolutions that are going to change us. The, the whole purpose is, for one thing, is that Am Yisrael have to become God-like. And if humanity becomes God-like, only then can Hashem become a king. If you aren't godlike, if you aren't similar to Hashem, Hashem cannot become king over you. And so to the extent that we have uh, tried to become similar to Hashem, to that extent, you know, that we've tried to make ourselves godly, to bring out the Tzalem Elohim, the likeness to Hashem, it's to that extent to which we are able to fulfill our obligation on Rosh Hashanah of saying, Hashem Melech, Hashem is our king. Because we've brought out the similarity between us and him. So it's almost, according to, from through the eyes of Rav Hutna, what's really happened over here is a tremendous issue. And that is that the human role, uh, you know, the, our, our action it comes almost from the side while you're not looking. It's almost like Hashem camouflaged it for us. And before we could get out of it, Hashem said, ha, ha. you know, you got up here and you shout, Hashem Melech, Hashem Malach, Hashem Yimloch. Hashem's our king. Well, you've got to realize what that means over here. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's about Hashem, but it's not about making a statement and then leaving shul or leaving the environment. Because if we've not, if we've not tried to make ourselves similar to Hashem, then when we stand on Rosh Hashanah and I say Hashem Melech, Hashem Melech, it isn't really true. If anything, you should change the words to say Hashem Moshel. If you've done nothing, if none of us have done anything to bring out the godliness, to create the similarity, and thereby become subjects to Hashem, uh, if we haven't done that, then Hashem is a Moshel, you know? And, and, and therefore, if we uh, are to ask ourselves, what is the role? What's our job on Rosh Hashanah? It's really about trying to make ourselves as similar to Akosh Baruch Hu as, as we can. And that's what it means to crown Hashem king. When we first start off in the discussion over here, we, 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 you know, we, we go in there quite, uh, quite softly. We talk about, okay, come to shul and just understand what's happening. There's a shift here, you know, from the, the so-called um, direct relationship that Anishal was has with Hashem. And we join the angels and we talk of Hashem as uh, Hashem being distant. Now we're transitioning to because Hashem is now to be recognized as king over the entire universe, king over Israel, king over the entire 
the entire uh, globe. And, and at that point in time, okay, he taught us a nice idea, come to shul and sing the songs. And just say, I'm Melech HaKadosh, no problem. And Yoshmona Esra is valid. But, but now that we've tried to analyze it a lot deeper, it, it's a privilege. To, when Hashem is saying, crown me king, he's not only just saying, you know, I want you to say over the concept and say that I'm king as opposed to anybody else. No, 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 no. The real issue, what Hashem is looking for is, I want to be king because if I'm king over you, it means that you like me, at least a little similar. And that's how I can be king and be accepted as king, you know, out of your own free choice. So I need, I need buy-in to the program of improved ethics. I need buy-in by your own free will. And I need concrete uh, decisions. I need concrete resolutions. I need real, real action. I need, I need a thought process. I need something. I need something that shows me that uh, you recognize that in order to make me your king, you have got to be somewhat similar, you know, to, to where I'm coming from. And so this becomes a much more serious uh, approach now to what, uh, to, to what we are saying when we say HaMelech HaKadosh. You know, when we, when we say that, this should really push us. This should really push us to understand that how does HaMelech HaKadosh become HaMelech HaKadosh? Well, you know, you... You know, we've got to instill within us, you know, the, the, the fear, the reverence, the awe of Akosh Baruch Hu. Uh, and we've got to like start complying. We've got to, we've got to be able to see this as at least our goal. And so with, with this amazing approach of Rav Hutna, it turns the concept, the main theme of, uh, of Rosh Hashanah, which starts off as being, okay, we just have to recognize Hashem as king. You know, that metamorphosizes into something, boy, do you have work to do? Because if you don't do this work, if you don't build an ethical program, if you don't work on yourself, if you don't show Hashem that out of your own free choice, you are becoming similar and godlike, then you cannot crown a Baruch Hu as king. You remain that a Baruch Hu is a Moshel. And therefore, the, the real work that we have to do over Yontav is creating our minds, you know, creating our minds and work through Elul to try and create some sort of a, a resolution, flex those muscles of faith to, uh, you know, to bring us to a point there that comes Rosh Hashanah, we make, we make some sort of a commitment in our own, um, you know, spiritual orbit. All of us are different and most of us, you know, we all struggle with the same things, but, but even with the differences, you know, each person within their own world has to be mamlich hakosh baruch upon themselves. You have to, you have to crown hakosh baruch king. You know, amar hakosh baruch malchiot. Everyone, this is actually an entire world. If they would recognize this concept, we would have a very different place. But imrulufanai malchiot say over the passages that deal with the concept of crowning Hashem as Melech, but the, the, main, the main thing is, you know, you show, show me that you are, are, are placing me as king over you. And it doesn't just mean recognizing verbally. It means, it means a, a, a much harder program. Much, uh, it's, it's much deeper than that. It's uh, becoming godlike. The Kedusha that is generated by 
the idea of Amelech HaKadosh is an implication that a human being recognizes he has to become godlike, similar to Kosh Baruch Hu, in order for that, uh, that vehicle to allow Hashem to actually become king over, over us. So this is just an insight to start our discussion off on the, on the Machzor, which is identify the main, the major theme, and then see how it's in the text, and then give it some, you know, give it some meat on the bone to, to motivate that when you say any word that has to do with Melech throughout the davening, that should trigger this in your head. The minute you say Hashem Melech, Hashem Malach, Hashem Yimloch, the minute you say that, you have to think this thought. I can only say this, it'll only work, it'll only be true is if, I, if I pull out um, a, a program of godly behavior. If I somewhere along the line, I hop you know, onto this idea, I make, I make resolutions to become you know, more godly. The minute I do that, and even if it's one point that you change, the minute you're doing something to be uh, godlike, then the statement is true. But if it's going to just stagnate, then uh, you're saying the words, Hashem Melech, Hashem Alach, but what you really mean is Hashem Moshel. Uh, that, and that is something we want to encourage everyone to, to grab with both hands, that the word Hamelech, all the time, just play this back in your head, and then it gives such depth to to the, to the expression. This is what you're doing. Hamelech, yes, Akosh Baruch is king, but he can only be really king over me if I'm becoming godlike. It's an implication that, that we've got so much work to do and we hopefully will take it on um, to proclaim Akosh Baruch Hu's malchut and not his uh, mishala. Even though that the word is used uh, interchangeably to some degree, mashala, but that means that you know, Akosh Baruch Hu has to use force for the you know to get the the rest of the world to stand to attention um and and us we we don't want that we want we want we don't want the akosh baruchu's malchut to become you know a, a moshel we want it pure malchut that's that's the that's the ideal that's that's the great aim okay so that gives us uh you know an insight into the first major theme uh in the in the Tshuva is and specifically Rosh Hashanah, is, uh, you know, Imru Rufanai, say this Malchiot before me, Kedashi Tamlihuni Aleichem. Okay, now, let's go back to the, to the Shemona Esrei. You can go any, you can go anywhere to the beginning of any Shemona Esrei uh, uh, Yontif. So if we're looking, uh, if we're looking at Mariv, page 62, so the art scroll have, uh, have done a good job for us, and in bold, they've highlighted a, another change. And they've inserted this idea of Zochreinu lechayim, melech hafeitz b'chayim, v'chotveinu b'sever hachayim l'mancha elokim chayim. Now, as you well know, there's a second verse just over the page. Mi chamocha avarachamim, zochei yutzurav lechayim berachamim. These are two changes that, uh, that were made as well to every Shemona Esrei within Aseret Yemei Tshuva. Now, these changes are, are motivated much later than the times of the Gemara. Um, we, we have record of them during the times of the Goenim. So 
just roughly chronologically, the Goanim live for argument's sake. Uh, we stay from 500 to 1,000, you know, even though it's a little bit off, but um, that's basically the easy way to remember when the period of the Goanim were. And so in the early Machzorim and, uh, and, and, uh, and Sidurim, this Minag starts to take shape. So Zochreinu Lechaim in the first bracha and Micha Mocha in the, the second bracha. Then other two changes, which we get to at the end of the Shemona Yisrael, Uchtov Lechaim Tovim Komnevitecha, and then B'Sefer Chaim in the last bracha. Now, so these were four additions, four additions to the Shemona Yisrael um, that, uh, that, that took shape during the Gaonic era. So somewhere, you know, to the best of my uh, knowledge, Rav Yehudai Gaon from Surah is uh, the first person to publish a, a Machzor. Um, now, we, we're talking the 6th century, um, or, or, or should I say 7th century, in the 600s. Um, he, uh, it's interesting just from a historical point of view, and that is that the very first Siddur to ever be published was a Machzor. Because the Siddur, the assumption was is that everybody knew of part. So, you know, when do you, when do you actually need uh, somebody to come along and, you know, and, and, uh, and, and write uh, some sort of, or publish some sort of a Siddur, you know? Uh, you basically have, um, the first time you hear about it is in, uh, correct myself, it's the 8th century, in 761, Rabbi Huda died. And uh, he was the Rosh Hashiva of the, of the Yeshiva in a place called Surah. And, um, and he wrote, he was the one that, to the best of my knowledge, the first Machsor that we have. You then you have a, a century later, in the 9th century, uh, Rav Amram Gowan, who produces, I think, uh, the oldest Siddur that we have. And he died in 876, also in Surah. And, um, you know, he, he, his Siddur, is probably the oldest and most authoritative Siddur, Siddur that we have. And then uh, Rav Gaon came along in the 10th century, in nine, he died in 942, and uh, he also had his own Siddur. And the Siddurim started then being published all over the place, you know, among Ashkenazim, Rashi and Rashi's uh, Talmudim, they all published uh, a Siddur. And uh, all over the world, Siddurim was starting to be um, published. But yeah, in principle, during the times of the Goinim, it seems to be the first Machzorim were, you know, were, were published. Okay. The fact that they were published during the times of the Goinim um, means that they also, that you can expect much, you know, much more of a challenge, you know, a kickback, and whether this custom is a good custom. You start adding anything, you know, we get nervous. The minute you start tinkering around with the davening, everybody's a little bit suspect, right? When it comes from the Gomorrah, we all, you know, we, we all doff our cap and we say, you know, yes, boss, because the Gomorrah, we don't, we don't, uh, we have a principle that we can't argue with, uh, with, with the Gomorrah. But when it comes to Minagim, customs that were, you know, were motivated by others, there already you can start to ask questions. And so these four editions, which today are pretty standard, in the in in our machzorim for certain but during the time of the inception, met with stiff uh, resistance from the Goinim themselves. People argued that whether this was a correct practice or not. Now, to understand the background, 
to, you know, as to what these additions really caused, um, we need to just revise a, a basic understanding of the structure of the Shmona Esrei that we, that we always dive in the Amidah. Now, every Shmona Esrei that we dive in during the week is made up of three sections. I think this is well known. Section, the first section of Shmona Esrei, the first three brachot, is what we call Shevach, the praise of God. Then, once we finish Akeil Kadosh, which is the end of the third bracha, we move into what, we, what is known as the middle section, which is called Bakasha, petition. We petition God for our needs, starting from Atachon En Laramdat and ending off with Shomea Tefillah. We've got, we got 13, 13 brachas of petition in the middle of the Shmona Esra. And then we end off with the last three. That last section is a, a modim. It's a hodaya. It's a, it's a thank you. It's an it's expression of gratitude to Akosh Baruch Hu. So this is a, a vital structural description that is, is, is needed to understand the Shmona Esra. Shevach, praise, bakasha, petition, hodaya, uh, thanksgiving. This is how the Gemara, this is already the Gemara teaching us what the Anshay Knesset HaGadolah already set in, in play from the very beginning of the second commonwealth of the second Beit Hamidash, Ezra and Nehemiah, you know, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, from, from that point in time on, from the beginning of the second temple, the structure of statutory prayer began to take shape. Okay, so what we inherit, what we inherit from the Anshak Nesdak is the Shmona Esrei and its basic structure of Shevach, Bakasha, Huraya, praise, thanks, that petition and thanksgiving. Now, the fact that they are definitions of each of these sections is important because they need to stick to the theme. Now, if the, if the, if the, um, if the first section of the Shmona Esrei is called Shevach, praise for Hashem, then it must remain praise. So when Anshak Nesedagadolah give us that definition, they're basically saying to you, what you find in this first section of Shmona Esrei, the three brachot, is all about praising Hashem. We don't want to see any personal requests, you know, inserted into, into these brachot. You know, that's a, that's, that's a, that's, that's the rule. The Gemoriah Masechet Brachot of Lamedalad brings Rabbi Yehuda, who teaches us, a person should never ask for his personal needs to be answered. You know, not in the first three brachas, not in the last three brachas. You know, so as much as it's uh, recommended, even encouraged for an individual to add, you know, personal, uh, personal petitions, in the Shmona Esrei, some, you know, some, some added, you know, if you're praying for health, Rafainu, Parnosa, Baraycha Leinu, any, anything else, Shmako Leinu. According to the Litvaks, you should put it in a Lakaina Tzor, according to the Gra. But within the Shmona Esrei, there's plenty place, you know, to offer up extra petitions. There's only one thing you can't do, is put personal requests in the section that is solely designated for Praise of Akash Baruch Hu. Now, when you consider what's going on over here, where did some of these go in him? You know, insert these additions. Well, they're all in the forbidden zone, man. They're like, what are they doing over here? You know, Zochreinu Lachaim. That pretty much is personal, right? Remember us for life, our king who desires life, and inscribe us in the book of life. I mean, that is a petition. 
that's a petition that's in the wrong spot. You know, it's like, it's not meant to be here. Uh, and the same thing with the, the last two um, insertions, you find them in the section of Hodaya, giving thanks to Hashem, and they petitions, they shouldn't be there. So this was the, this is the reason why um, you would find in those days, people, you know, demonstrating against these insertions and thinking that, thinking that, that, that you were wrong, thinking that you were wrong. Now, of course, the, the Goinim who, who, who inserted them, they have to have a reason and they have to be able to answer up this challenge. And, um, and what, they, what they basically teach us is as follows. And they say like this. When a person makes a, an individual request to Hashem, that is a classic petition. But here's something interesting. And that is that when you make a petition on behalf of all of Kalisra, where it's not individually focused, but it's on behalf of the entire community, it changes the nature of the petition to a praise. You see, if I would have said, remember me for life, that would be a problem. But that wouldn't be a problem. Because the minute, the minute we, the minute we uh, praise Hashem, the minute we ask Hashem a request on behalf of everybody, what really happens to that request is as follows. It metamorphosizes into a kind of a praise. If I'm saying on behalf of the entire people of Israel that we recognize that Hashem is the only one who can give life, then by all of us asking Hashem for life, we at the same time praising Him. And therefore, a, a, a bakasha, a, a petition, which is a bakasha, which is, which is for the, the entire tzibur, then that becomes a kind of a, a praise. And therefore, that's what's happened over here. That that's why the Ogonim came along and said that you can, you, as long as you say it in the plural, um, you are praising Akosh Baruch Hu. So don't look at Zohreinu Lechaim, says the Rosh, you know, because Zohreinu Lechaim is in effect saying that the entire universe relies on you for its existence. And there's no greater praise than that. Therefore, Zohreinu Lechaim takes its place as Shevach within the brochas of Shevach. Uh, and, and therefore, this is the Rosh's approach to trying to understand or to resolve the attack that um, that the other Godim had. And when they said, Rabbi Huda teaches us that a person should never ask for personal praises. Not in the first three brachot, the last three. He said, Trachav, his needs, the individual shouldn't ask. But Torche Rabbim, according to the way the Rosh and others are explaining, that um, actually turns into a Shevach. And therefore, there's no problem with, uh, with this theory of having these insertions into the actual, the, the first brocha bro, bro as well. Just in conclusion, we could ask ourselves a very interesting question, and that is, okay, we were able to justify uh, why these insertions were here, but um, 
but 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 Taka, you know, why why is it that uh, the Goanim chose to actually put it in here? I mean, if they put it in the Shmona Esrei in the middle, then no one would have said a word. They would have just said, okay, you know, very nice, you know. But uh, but but what was the big issue? You know, why why would you put it here and get into this whole you know tangle with 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 others? You know, let's just wait until we get into the the middle section of Bakasha and and put it there. Anyway, I saw a uh, I saw a chiddush um, by uh, Rabbi Yitzchak Bloch, the Rosh Hashiva of Tells. I saw it brought in one of the sforim that uh, Rabbi Emanuel Bernstein published. So uh, he he quoted he quoted uh, Rabbi Bloch as saying as follows: that that life can mean very different things depending on the perspective of the one who, who who's dealing with it. You know, one can talk to when you say. Hashem, please remember me for life. Okay, what life? What, what are you talking about? Some people can refer to a comfortable physical life of, of you know, a nice, comfortable, physically. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, a self-centered or pleasure-seeking existence. Or it can refer to without Torah, there's no life. Without a meaning, meaningful, idealistic existence, there's no real life. So depending on who you're talking to, you can have different definitions of what, of what life is all about. Now, in order to be able to uh, teach us what we're supposed to have in mind when we say this, um, it's actually a fantastic opportunity because we've just opened the Shemona Esrei uh, with bracha number one called Avot. You know, it calls upon Hashem as the God of our forefathers. And, um, you know, it expresses the fact that our special connection to HaKosh Baruch Hu is a product of our forefathers' elevated status and exalted lives. And, and uh, the minute we finish talking about, hey, we've got the dream team, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you know, these are the people that are our role models. You know, this is who we've just, these are, the, these are the people that we live our lives by. The minute you've said that, this is the point that you have to now uh, make a request to Akosh Baruch Hu, or make a praise, if you will, to Akosh Baruch Hu, to tell Hashem exactly what type of life you're really asking for, and what you're basically saying after the after the 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 the, the major part of the bracha of Avot has been expressed, you're basically saying to Akosh Baruch Hu, these are our role models, and Zochreinu Lachayim, uh, remember me for a life, and it's a life like theirs that I'm asking you to remember me for. By making the request or praising Akosh Baruch Hu to remember, you know, during this bracha, we, we are thereby expressing the type of life that we all should be asking for, which is a life like Aaron Yitzhak and Yaakov. We don't want to wait until later on in the Shemona Esrei, where all of a sudden you start thinking about what's lacking and what you need. And all of a sudden your emphasis is on important stuff, but really, you know, it uh, often becomes only uh, focused on on our comfort and that nature of, of life. So before we get to the rest of Shemona Esrei, where this focus of, of, of what kind of life we want to live has uh, been diluted by the fact we don't have everything we need, we want to register our request now and, um, and uh, you know, straight away make sure that when we say it means a life based on the values uh, of Avram, Yitzchak and Yaakov. And therefore, this is possibly what motivated, according to Rav Avram Bloch, the Tells of Rosh Hashiva, this is what motivated the Goinim 
to uh, straight away jump in with the question before we can even go cold, you know, on what, uh, who our role models are, what type of life we want. Zohreinu uh, Lechaim becomes a, uh, a very powerful request right here in the middle of what looks to be uh, Shevach, but because it's done for all of us, it, 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 it ends up being a kind of bakasha in the eyes of, uh, of those we've shown him who explain it this way and thereby allow us to insert it here. And this seems to be the minute that has taken hold among, uh, among us that Am Yisrael has uh, indeed embraced these particular insertions um, in, um, you know, in, the, in the beginning of, of, of the Shemona Israel. So, um, okay, so we've spoken about HaMelech HaKadosh, and uh, we've spoken a little about Zohrein L'chaim and, and Micha Mocha. When, uh, when we meet next, bring your machzor, and please, God, we will take a, a deeper dive into, um, into the Shmona Esrei of uh, the Musaf Shmona Esrei of, uh, of Rosh Hashanah and um, uncover some of the other themes that, in addition to Malchuyot, as you well know, Zichronot and Shofarot, what, um, how vital a part they play in, uh, in the set of concepts that come alive on, uh, on the Yom Adin. All right, so I'll leave it there. And... Uh, Hopefully we will see each other next week. And if there are any questions, shoot them across. Um, and um, lovely to see everybody. And uh, holding thumbs for uh, an, an, an easier an easier start to our year. All right. So, uh, Laila Tov. Laila Tov. Thank you, Rabbi. Pleasure. Thanks, Be well. Rabbi. Love to see you all. Okay. Zai Thank you. Cheers. Cheers.